0: what is up you beautiful people welcome back to the built on bitcoin podcast it's funny one of these times i'm gonna have to to record myself recording myself because if you knew how it looked it's like i'm very like quiet and thinking for a second and then i take a big like hype energy stretch and just drop into it (laughs) so it always catches me off guard sometimes i go from zero to 100 so quick but anyways today i have Longstreet on the podcast if you don't follow Longstreet, uh, btc on Twitter. Do yourself a favor and do that. It's for your own good. But he is a teacher by trade in the LA school district, a music teacher. But he's been experimenting with crypto and mostly NFTs and uh, just what you can do with them. So he's a music teacher, but he's also a photographer. And so he's released a few collections, um, trying different ways to kind of like Monetize it, build a community. You know, build out, build up hype in this kind of era where people want uh, profile pictures and they want utility. Or uh, you know, the new thing is like token gating. Like, I want a, a membership pass. It's, it's like a key. Um, he's he's experimenting in different ways of like, how do you how do you mint a collection just on the intrinsic value? Um, so playing with that and with his music background, you've if you've played. Project Indigo, at all, all of that kind of like atmospheric wasteland of music—that's Longstreet. So, cool guy, uh, and this conversation was pretty interesting because we talked about crypto for probably less than half the conversation. So, if you're looking for just that, uh, maybe switch to a different episode. But if you've been here long enough, you know that my my premise and all these conversations is not just to explore what's so interesting about stacks but the person who's building something cool is always as interesting as the thing being built. That's, that's my premise. So you'll usually see me do like a 50-50 split between you know, deep diving on what, what makes them tick, but also what made you want to build that thing and what are you guys building? So we nerd out quite a bit about teaching and inspiration and how to unlock your creative side. Is everyone a creative? We kind of play with that question a little bit. I think so. Uh, I think everyone is creative, and if you say you're not, uh, you're just putting a self-limiting belief on yourself, and you're being too hard on yourself. Everything we do is creative. So uh, yeah, great great conversation. Uh, It ends in a pretty funny way. So yeah, highly recommend, and let's just jump into it with this conversation with Longstreet. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin.
1: Just jump in, Longstreet. How you doing, my man? I'm great. You know, there's one thing that I forgot. I um, I brought my special Mister Rogers sweater for the session. My
0: man, <laughs> no one, no one rocks it better than Longstreet. There we go. Now the vibe is complete, dude. I, I'm underdressed for the occasion. <laughs> well, man, you've been you've been you're busy and active on the stacks community. Most people, if they're active, know. Some of the stuff you're doing, but for those that don't, maybe just a quick, a quick little background of uh who Longstreet is.
1: Yeah, so where should I start? Um, I just jumped in on the Stacks community after I heard Patrick Stanley's interview about City Coins on the Anthony Pompliano podcast. So that was my introduction. I was really intrigued by it, so I was researching like how to do the mining on it. I in the midst of all of that i had a baby so i wasn't able to like follow through and do the mining but it the research got me there got me introduced to stacks and then i started to see some of the nfts developing on it um, on byzantium and then arlan stacks and i thought this is a pretty cool space started becoming more active on twitter and just engaging more in the community and learning more about the various projects and i saw like every day there was something new developing um, and it felt like a really exciting space. So I thought um, that kind of got my creative juices flowing. And I've been sitting on a collection of photography for a long time. I have been living in Venice for the past six, seven years, just taking pictures. And I hadn't really done anything with them other than post them on Instagram. And I thought, maybe, maybe there's something here, so I'll give it a go. So I got a collection of images together around October, but it wasn't until you know, January when I was able to, to roll those out. But ever since January, like there's been a lot of action happening at the same time. I released proof of swing on Byzantium and that just coincided the same week. So I released proof of swing and Venice visuals in the same week on arlon stacks and on Byzantium, which I, I was, I felt pretty proud of to be like multi-platform, right? To be releasing on, on several different websites at once. Um, yeah. And then from there, like things just started snowballing. You're you're like the fourth or fifth person I've heard in like my
0: everyday life that their first kind of touch point with crypto is city coins. And particularly like they'll hear some podcasts, whether it's mine or the Pompiano one. And there's something something about that bridge between something relatable like a city that they can kind of understand and grasp and crypto where they keep hearing about it but they're not sure like how to approach it they're kind of intimidating where it becomes like that first little pebble that they're like they pick it up and they start to
1: examine it right yeah for the the year prior i had been like diving deep into bitcoin almost coming from it from a like a, a bitcoin maximalist perspective. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts and like doing just a ton of research and getting really excited because I think Bitcoin is incredible, you know? Um, so I definitely came to the space from that perspective. And then I realized, oh, Stax, there's something special about Stacks, you know, how it's building on top of Bitcoin. And so, yeah, that was it. So coming from the Bitcoin maxi, like getting as much research as I could, listening to podcasts all the time, and then hearing hearing this opportunity for City Coins, And I... You know, it's I think a lot of people feel this where they they feel like they missed out on something or they're late. So I was feeling that having gone into Bitcoin. Well, you know, I like. I think I got it like in 2017 when it was high at its height and then it got decimated and then fell off my radar. I thought, oh, well, well I'm just not going to touch it. And then I think it went up like two $2,000 above where we purchased it. My wife and I were like. I Made mean, two thousand bucks. Let's sell sell the Bitcoin. So, we all make our mistakes, right? Yeah. So anyway, I was like kind of hungry for researching and finding the next thing that I could try to be early on. And City Coins felt like that. It still feels like that. So that was the impetus for me to start researching and getting into the space. And I'm still super pumped about City Coins and City Packs and what that can mean, particularly for education, which you know is something I'm passionate about. Hundred percent, and that's. So I do. Let's let's zoom out for a second too, because
0: we we're already deep into crypto talk now, and there's a ton to cover here. But the the thing that put you on my radar is you reached out to me initially and was like, "Hey, I think I posted something about NFT projects. I was going to do like a Twitter Spaces or something." And I was like, "Who should I have on?" Whatever. And you you hit me in my DM and someone was like, "Hey, I'm releasing this like photography collection. Uh, I'd like to come on the pod or something and like talk about it." And at the time, I was like, I realized that it's, you have to be cautious of show before something is shipped, especially with like, when you have a brand like mine. So I've been cautious with that. So I was just, I was watching it. I saw Longstreet, you know, I'm aware of what you're doing. I was, I think you posted a snippet. So I was like, oh, it's pretty damn good. And then like a week later, there was a Twitter spaces with Muneb and like the whole gang and they're like vibing at night. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And I'm just listening and you pop up. And like, I was curious I was like what's he gonna do is he gonna show his is he gonna show his thing in front of the crowd and just kind of like take his shot and then dip out but you didn't it was like you mentioned it slyly but really you just kind of like were passionate about stacks and about experimentation and about uh you know saying that you're a teacher and like some of your background and so I was like oh this guy this guy's you could tell in the way that he's responding and like how he's using this opportunity—that he's just there's something authentic about Longstreet. So I was, I was immediately more more intrigued. I'd love to, to touch on that that teacher aspect because, uh, you know it's it's interesting that you're you're doing that while still experimenting with crypto and just keeping yourself curious. But broad question: What makes a good
1: teacher in your in your uh, perspective? Yeah. It's hard to answer succinctly, but before I give my thoughts, could you tell me a little bit about like a teacher that's that had a big impact on you and what about them made, makes them your favorite teacher?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think the teachers that have stood out in my mind, they make you, first of all, it's like, it's emotional. You feel their presence in a sense. And typically you feel, it's like a combination of you could feel their passion and it radiates in the way that they're up on, up on stage with, you know, 20, 25 students, but also they make you realize like they see, it's like they see potential in you that you don't see in yourself sometimes. So it's that, it's that combination that's, that's felt and that makes you want to learn because you gravitate towards their passion and that kind of makes you want to do it too. Um, So that's the biggest piece. And then I, I have been thinking about, how? Because I try and be a teacher for crypto myself, but I'm not sure. There's like a weird dance between. You can tell when there's a bad teacher because they're like nervous to get certain questions, you know, because yeah. because you expose their flaws and that yeah. they're standing they're standing in front of, the, of an audience and they're being exposed in some sense, like imposter syndrome or something. A good teacher either knows their topic really really well and they can dance with it, or they're like, I don't know, let's find out. And so I've been. I've been very curious about that kind of like depth of knowledge thing where it's like a good teacher doesn't have to be an expert, but he has to be curious
1: when probed. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. And isn't it interesting that you started with a good teacher, you remember how they make you feel. And that to me is one of the biggest takeaways that I try to keep in my mind all the time when I'm teaching is that they will remember how I make them feel, not and... To a lesser extent, they'll remember like what I'm trying to teach them. Less of the content, more of how they feel in my class. So yeah, a good teacher, like you said, helps. Well, we, we also learn from the known to the unknown, right? It's hard to connect new information because we always have to scaffold and build upon a foundation. So a good teacher is able to assess where a student is and then build upon what they already know what their prior knowledge is and connect with them in a way that's authentic and to make them feel inspired. And I like uh, the other thing that you touched upon was helping them see a path forward that they might not be able to identify, like seeing a unique skill or talent that a student has. A great teacher can help like push a student down a path that they don't even know exists Um, but a teacher, you know, can, can help them identify that and and push them down the path. Some of my favorite teachers have pushed me, um, you know, uncomfortably so down a path that I, I was not like confident going down. And now I'm looking back with gratitude saying, thank you for pushing me. It was hard at first, but I'm better off for it. And, and you you saw that in me. So thank you. Yeah. It's like that. It's like a a tough love thing. Like
0: I know you can do more. So I'm going to post, push this a little bit. Is there, this is coming up like in the moment, but is there, the more you teach, is there certain, the work, the word in my my mind is like atrophy where like the routine of year after year after year, like certain teachers is kind of atrophy in their, in their passion. Like, is there something there about trying to, how, how does a good teacher maintain that passion year over year over year?
1: Yeah, I, we see that in a lot of teachers, we see burnout um, and it can be because they're static and they're doing the same thing, or it can be because the environment is really challenging. And one of the biggest challenges we have right now in education is teachers are in really challenging situations and they might not feel the support, support from administration and support from the parents. A lot gets blamed on the teachers and there's a lot of pressure put on us. But for the most part, teachers are, are passionate And we kind of have to, a teacher has to set up like a defense mechanism, um, in order to not get burned out. And you also have to have like your core principles in mind all the time to help you get through those challenging moments. Um, I've been pretty lucky in my, cause I've been teaching for about 15 years now. I started right out of college and I've been changing things up a lot. I, I taught elementary band for nine years. And high school jazz band a little bit too. And then, um, I moved out to LA in 2016, started working for, uh, Los Angeles Unified School District. And I taught at two different elementary school, uh, two different, two different middle schools. And now at a high school, I started, um, I got a grant through the Save the music foundation. And that was amazing. Cause I started a program from scratch. And then I went to another middle school and started a music program there. like the Johnny Appleseed of music programs, right? So like hopping around and starting music programs and, and then passing it off to someone else. And now I've landed at a high school where I'm really happy. So to bring it back to burnout, um, people either get static and bored, or if they're lucky, they can, you know, figure out a way to keep growing professionally and finding themselves in new situations. Um, So I've, I've just been always like changing my, my situation and surroundings and having to adapt and adaptation is what makes us human. So yeah. Um, the burnout thing is real. It's tough. We need those summer vacations. We need to be able to unplug because juggling like the emotional needs of so many kids is it's hard. It really is hard. Um, and you know, so much of, When people go into to to become a teacher, they were probably inspired by their teachers and they think, I want to be a teacher too. And you spend so much time studying content and like being a, a master at your craft, which you have to have, you know, that's the foundation of a great teacher. You have to be an expert in your field. So you spend so much time developing this and then you go into teaching and you realize like, I'm not spending a lot of time teaching content. I'm spending a lot of time like managing emotions and managing my classroom and, it's tough. It's tough, but a great teacher. It just takes time. First five years are so hard, um, but if we can attract and retain great teachers, I mean, we're we're going to be in a good place in education. 100%. It's an exciting space. There's a lot happening. A lot of development here. So that was a lot of rambling and ranting. Thanks for following. No, it's I mean, I
0: this is the built-on bitcoin podcast, but I love nerd by all these little different nuances. I find them fascinating. So thanks for going down the teacher rabbit hole a little bit. Um, before we switch back to crypto stuff, you did you did kind of talk about this a lot of like stuff in the works. And it seems like teaching is one of those things where everyone universally knows that it's important. Like you're teaching literally the future generations and how you teach them gives them a good foundation, but they're almost universally also underpaid and overstressed. Does for, for like public school systems, do you think that something like a merit based system would be good? Does that make sense? A merit based, like meaning like you might have like a base that someone would make so you can like live, you know, whatever. I don't I'm not sure what you guys make. So it's 50, 60 K a year. So like comfortable ish. Mm-hmm. And then there's incentives on top that people can agree upon that if you do Test scores seem tricky because you can game it, but you find some good incentives where it's like, if you do these things right, whether it's uh, incentives, the the tricky part, but yeah, somewhere where like, if you do X amount of things, right, then you get some other monetary
1: or other incentives to then retain good teachers. Absolutely. So there are already some programs that are working really well and you're right to point out that it's hard to incentivize and connect pay to test scores. That's challenging. But here's my experience. So I have a California teaching credential, but I also got an extra teaching credential called National Board Certification. And to do that, um, we we do get a pay increase if we get this extra certification. Um, And I think, you know, paying teachers to continue to grow professionally in their field, I think that's, that's an easy win. So there's a pay incentive to become a National Board Certified Teacher. And in doing that process, It was rigorous and hard it was basically like getting uh, a master's degree it was a lot of work and the most my best teaching was done when i had to videotape myself teaching and watch that and reflect on it and ever since i did that i did that in the very beginning of my teaching right with like student teaching and it's so hard it's so hard to watch a video of yourself teaching just like it's hard for people to watch themselves like during interviews or listen back like to your voice on a podcast. Like it can be a hard adjustment. So when you're teaching, it's important to be able to reflect on what you're doing well and what you what your room for improvement is. And I think that if we had some sort of incentive program where teachers you know, come up with a lesson, record a video of it analyze that video and, and break down like what was good, what can be done better. I think on a voluntary basis, if, if teachers want to do that, I think there's, there's the opportunity for monetary incentive incentive. And I'm curious to see if city coins could, could be doing something like this, you know? Yeah, sequence is a whole
0: new design space. Who knows where that's going to go in the next in the next coming years? That's yeah. super exciting. But I do like that most people focus on the students because the ones that we're trying to like build up. But it might be the opposite and flipping it and just making the educator more incentivized to, you know, go into more like deeper learning stuff, which makes them a better uh, educator. I like yeah. that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay, let's uh, let's switch back into crypto stuff then. Um, maybe before we deep dive into small things. You've touched them a little bit, but what's what's the things that you've done so far in the in the crypto space? Just like different projects and what you've been working on.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it started, like I said, with Venice Visuals with the photography, and then I thought, all right, well, what else? So so I released that, and then um, it was just like a little bit of a splash. The people who were minting Venice Visuals in the beginning were people that I had authentic connections with, who understood like me as a person and my my backstory and. Um, and it's been, you know, slow and steady. I think we're down to like 32 out of 100 are left. Um, and I did a couple, like a couple incentives where I think I gave away a wasteland ape for someone for, for the first, first person who minted three right now, I've got a mint one, get one free. So I've got a little grid on my Instagram, on my um, Twitter of 15 images. And so the next 15 people who mint. Of Venice visuals will also be able to choose one, which is kind of cool because it's a random mint. But then, so you'll get one randomly. But then you can also choose your favorite image from the collection that I've made available. So kind of a slow and steady when the race approach with the Venice visuals with the photography. After that, um, I thought, well, let's let's try to get some music mixed in here. So I wrote a song called Proof of Swing. Uh, proof of Swing, which is like a play on Proof of Transfer and Proof of proof of work and all that. And I auctioned that off with Byzantium um, and a guy named Arle Abreu was the top bidder and he was super excited to get it. So that was exciting to see. And then I started thinking like, okay, I need to know more about what's possible in, in crypto, what's possible on these platforms what's possible with proof of transfer and stacks. And so I started thinking like, okay, how can we engage musically? And I had some ideas that I I did little sketches of. I'm going to be a little cryptic about it because I still want to do this idea. So, um, but it hasn't happened yet. So I approached some uh, different communities with this musical idea that I had. And even though we didn't like progress with this one specific idea, Project Indigo Said, Hey, that's a cool idea. Maybe let's do that later. But right now, could you do music for our first chapter? And I thought that sounds exciting. I, I had no idea, you know, what project indigo was all about other than looking at the profile pictures. Um, so then I just kind of started creating music that I felt was a post apocalyptic and wastelandish. And, um, it was really helpful that Vandal sent me like temp music, uh, video game music from Fallout 2 and from Diablo. And he said, this is the vibe I like. Um So I kind of took that and ran with it. And so that was my start with music for Project Indigo. Now we've released two chapters. The next chapter, chapter three, what I'm thinking is... So chapter one minted out. I had 150 copies of it. It minted out in like six hours. I, I just couldn't believe it. Um so that was really great to see the the positive feedback from the community. Um the gameplay, the music fit nicely in the gameplay. So chapter 1 minted out really fast. Chapter 2 I thought maybe I should make less copies available, but I still did 150 and it's like at 47 minted of 150 now. So that's like slower. So now I'm thinking like what can we do going forward? So I think right now what the plan is the, the music for chapter three will be automatically airdropped to anyone who holds chapter two, and there will be a, a limited number of chapter three available that can be purchased with talks the in-game token, um, maybe so we're Vandal Vandal and I are talking about the logistics of that, but having a music project on stacks is pretty fantastic. So yeah, yeah, that's, and then, um, okay. So that's the music, but then there's also proof of play, which is 11 NFTs that I made, which is basically just like a zoom lesson with me. Um, I made 11 NFTs that can be exchanged for a one hour zoom lesson and it minted out. I think it took a couple of weeks to mint out. Like at first people were really excited. And, but, uh, last week I finally had my first two sessions with, with people and it was so cool so you know in crypto we have all of these like anonymous connections with people or connections with people who have profile pictures not real pictures of themselves so to make that next step of like interfacing with one with someone else face to face or through zoom it was a a cool next step development as far as like my relationships with people in the in the crypto community so I had a couple lessons with with some people who who purchased the um proof of play NFT. So that was that was a super exciting development too. That's
0: dude, like I'm not even sure what to ask next. I gotta I gotta pause for a second. But you've you've done like four different completely different things. Like you have your photography stuff, and then you have uh like a live coaching session attached to it, which is a whole different thing. And then you said a, a musical which is still under wraps but we'll see that in the future maybe and then doing the music for indigo which if people haven't played it it's like a text-based story interactive game that uh you know you have these characters they you're following a storyline and it, while it's all going on there's professional voice acting and long Street's music playing in the background. And yeah, you do just catch a vibe while I do it. I was just sitting there like, I don't want to push continue yet. I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep rocking yeah. to this song for a little bit. Yeah. So, ton of stuff going on. Um I guess I am curious you posted something on Twitter recently talking about NFTs don't need utility, which is kind of an evolution we're seeing currently where it's going from like profile pictures, which is kind of like this is my it, it's this is me online verifiable, like I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a cool cat, or I'm a I'm a wastelander, or whatever it is, and that's moving to what can my NFT do, and that's kind of where the market's becoming, it seems like, and then early stages, it seems like the next step is membership NFTs, like everything is going to be token gated, so you're part of the club, you have the profile picture, it does this, and you get access to this VIP area but you kind of flipped it and you were just like, it doesn't need to be any of that. There's a, there's a white space on the opposite where it just, you appreciate the art because the art is beautiful. I'd love to, you just like, expand on that a little
1: bit. I thought, I thought it was yeah. interesting. Yep. Um, well, I also think it's important to, well, the reason I have like so many different projects, cause I just, I got my wheels turning on like, okay, how many different things can we do with an NFT? So yes, photography, yes, music, Yes. Like mu- music lessons. Okay. I'm Sure. So I'm just like trying to think about all the different utility functions, but then I ended up circling back to, but also maybe some NFTs can have like no functionality, you know, like the use case is it's a beautiful piece of art that you like putting on your wall and it has intrinsic value to you. So I'd say, you know, more accurately, not all NFTs need to have functionality. And so something that we see, well, you know, I'm I'm passionate about stacks, not quite a stacks maxi, but it's my favorite, like, community and group of people, there's amazing stuff happening here, amazing development, cool projects. And obviously, we need to attract more people in here. Um, So one thing that we do see in other change, like Tezos, Solana is photography communities. And in those communities, like what you're buying is just the one-of-one one art, proof that you own that art, you want to hold it, you like it. Maybe it will go up in value as um, like maybe you have faith in a, in a photographer and their work and you might sell it somewhere down the road for a profit because the value of their, the monetary value of their work has gone up. But um, I would love to see more collectors coming into the space that are buying nfts just for the intrinsic value of it because right now it seems like everything all the other projects everything weighs heavily on um like what are the what's the extrinsic value what can i do with it what's the functionality of the of the of the nft so i think it's all important and i'm hoping that we can bring more Um, collectors into the space that are attracted to NFTs for their intrinsic value alone. Um, Could be a good time to transition into photography on stacks. want to go there? Let's do it. All right. So you, are you aware of Levi of all nations media? No. Okay. So he released, he's a, uh, another photographer and he did something really cool. So he started a discord um, and then he, Kind of crowdsourced. He said, I'm going to Alaska for an assignment. So he's a legit, super legit photographer. He's an adventurer. He's been doing this his whole life. He just like flies around, he'll buy a one way ticket somewhere, stay there for a chunk of time, take pictures. And, and then he got uh, connected with like professional magazines. So legit photographer. And then he started exploring. So he knew the Byzantine guys through a family friend or something. He released something on Byzantine. It didn't really go anywhere. Then he realized I need to build community. So we started a discord called of all nations media. And he said, I'm going to Alaska. What do you guys want to see? And someone said, I want to see the Northern lights. So he's just started collecting all these ideas and we kind of tracked him along his adventure. And he would share pictures of the, of what he was doing that day. And at the end of the trip, he ended up with 20 images called the Alaska collection. Um, And they minted out in like 24 hours. So, that what he's doing with photography on stacks is is really fascinating. Um, and it's like incredible work. So, you know, Eli Herf, right? Brett, he's yep. got his hands and, and feet and everything. Yep. Um, the three of us have been talking about what can we do to continue to develop photography on stacks? And someone threw out the idea like, what about stacks photography guild? So, what we're in the middle of doing right now is transitioning his discord that he's done such a great job of developing, building out community building. We're gonna transition that into the Stacks Photography Guild and look for a third photographer to bring in. And um, and that will be the next step in the evolution of photography on Stacks. And uh, just to bring it back to utility, um, maybe there's a little bit of utility in the photography, but most importantly, we are trying to advocate for the intrinsic appreciation of art in the Stacks ecosystem.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think, no, I think you're right. Like it's just a matter of time until people appreciate the, because the, the right click and save thing is still like embedded in us. Like we just don't value the digital art because it's just, yeah. I can just Google image it and right. it might be the medium too. Like the fact that I view it on my screen, everything I view from my screen is kind of a, a weird consumable versus when I hold something in my hand, it's it's very like real and there. Uh yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I can definitely see over time how like because the ledger is immutable, like it's you can't tamper with it. It's like the most rock solid provenance there is. And there's some long tail effects where like you could do the airdrops. Like you it's like having their email, but mm-hmm. it's their but it's their the wallet they love so much because it has all their goodies in it. So you can just kind yeah. of, like, hey, here's a thank you for being for being awesome and supporting us. You could do so much with these kind of things. it's It's a whole new space,
1: yeah, that's something else I did with the people who minted Venice visuals. I had another image that was like, so I picked one hundred images for Venice visuals, like the one hundred and one actually, what it was it was it was a great image that I just like it didn't make the collection because i I think it wasn't. It was like somewhere else in my computer. And then after I released the collection, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot to include that image. So I'm just going to that's like one of the best images. I'm going to airdrop that to everyone who's done. So I airdropped it to like 12 people, the first 12 who, who minted Venice visuals. And then I also did another airdrop called Descanso Gardens um, light, uh, light blur, uh, motion blur. Um, Which is one of my favorite photography techniques. If you just like move your camera quickly and you have a slow shutter, it'll make what's called a motion blur. So if you ever see like blurry images, I have a ton of these in Venice visuals where I was like parked um, on the boardwalk. And I would take pictures of people on bikes or skateboards. And if you open the shutter so it's a slower picture and then you pan the camera with that person, the person is still but the background is blurry. Or you hold the camera still, the background is clear but the person is blurry so anyway that's called a motion blur i love the technique because it gets something that's really unique and you can't like recreate easily um so i had a twitter post and i said like drop your bns here your dot btc name um below and i will airdrop you an image called Descanso gardens motion blur so i did that and it was cool because i had like 120 people just drop their 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 bns and i I don't think there's enough happening you know i see all these like ens airdrops and everything and i'm kind of waiting for the bns love so i just wanted to like engage in that way right so that was a cool thing um i have two images that are in the same vibe from that same Descanso gardens trip and i'm going to do an auction um, after we build out the Stacks photography guild discord Um, And after Levi does his auction, because he has a really cool um, Northern Lights GIF that he's going to be auctioning off. After that happens, I'm going to do an auction for Descanso Motion Blur 2 called The Forest of Light. That'll be a one of one. I'll do an auction for that as well. So there's always, always things being rolled out. Always experimenting. I love it. Okay.
0: I got, I got one last question. Um, and then we can close this out. But a lot of what we talked about here is just the value of creativity. And I, I've been a creative. I, I shoot music videos on the side. This podcast is somewhat of a creative endeavor. Even the questions I ask is like it's 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 not robotic every time. I got to tailor it to the person. But I'm I'm always kind of like disheartened when certain people say they're not creative, and I don't accept that answer. I don't. I think that everyone is creative. And so I'm just curious about your perspective on on the value of creativity for for everybody.
1: It's so hard to say where to start. (laughs) Um, I think we can tie that back to education too, right? Like a good teacher can help. Something else that I did want to say. So a good teacher can help a student identify the right questions to ask. And I, I asked my high school students once, I said, if you could design your own classes, your own schedule, take six Periods. Design your own class. What do you want to learn? Design that. They, they couldn't come up with like what they wanted to learn. You know, we don't give enough opportunities to students to ask themselves, like, what do you need for self-actualization to become your best human, your best self? What is it that you need to learn? And how can I help you with that? What kinds of questions do you need to ask? Um, so, when it comes to education, are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? What roughly, was time? Yeah. yeah. So it's a pyramid, right? And the base layer, you have like you have to have your base, uh, need, your base needs met. So you have to have shelter, you have to have food, you have to have like safe relationships, you have to feel comfortable, and only then after you have your basic needs met, can you work toward the top of the pyramid, which is things like self-actualization, because when we find ourselves in a place where like, all right, I'm comfortable. I'm fed. Now, what do I do? Then you almost get bored. You feel like dissatisfied. You feel this like unsettled. What am I going to do? I have to, I have to create something. I have to, how do I describe, like, how do I articulate what it means to be alive? What it means to be a person on this earth and to have these emotions. I have to express that in a way. And we all find these different ways of expressing it. And I think for the most part, people do have that drive to be able to express themselves and communicate the things that that are inexpressible, um, that are hard to articulate. But we have all of these different ways, these art forms that we can use that we're just, we're trying to express something that which is inexpressible. So for me, it's music and, and photography as well. Um, for, but everyone kind of has their own way of interfacing with expressing something that they're, that they're feeling. And we can tie this back to emotion, right? Emotion is my, my grandma said something really, um, profound. She, she passed away when I was a teenager, but she said, you should always honor your emotions, um, and never negate them and you should follow them. So in the pursuit of expressing ourselves and the way we feel, we are driven to be creative and um it's in order to do it well you have to like hone the craft develop a skill set and then go the next step of finding your own voice um and and creating something in a way that is unique to you that's not just derivative or a copy but you go the next step and find what is it that you have to say that's unique to anyone else
0: perfect grandma with the profound uh profound statement as as grandmas do always always honor your emotions i love that that's a a great way to end it um well long street man this has been great any any closing thoughts or things that i i missed or we didn't touch on before we close it out
1: um no we i think we gave a lot to the listeners today but i think i think probably have one more thing oh my man Would you be mine? Won't you be my stack's neighbor? Won't you be? Won't you be? Please won't you be my stack's neighbor?
0: <laughs> encore! Encore! That's, man, that is a, a great way to end it. Uh, Long Street. Where can people find out more about you or any last shout outs, my man?
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, Well, I I do want to give some shout outs to um, a lot of the the people who I've been engaging with in the community. I think you know who you are. I really appreciate you and your support and your feedback. Um, And you can just find me on LongstreetBTC on Twitter um, and in the discords. And yeah, let's stay in touch, reach out, message me. If you have any ideas on how we can attract more people into the Stacks ecosystem, I'm all ears and and that's my mission too. So I know we're all aligned in the same, in the same mission, going for the same outcome here. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, Jake. Um, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be in here. So thank you very much too.
0: Uh,
1: it's, it's a pleasure to have you
0: on. I appreciate it. This was a, a very fun interview. Um, I would love to see some video NFTs maybe of what you just played or something, but uh, <laughs> But yeah, man, I appreciate you. So uh, thanks for coming on and take care.
1: All right. Thank you, Jake.
0: Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. Gonna wait now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out because I don't
1: think about everything going wrong.